Chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 1. Hebrews 1, 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, O Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will all be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through the angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness with both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Would you guys pray with me? God, we just thank you for your word, Lord, and we just thank you that you are unchanging in the midst of of times of what we see as hard things, Lord, we God. We just thank you for your finished work on the cross, for your faithfulness to us, Lord. We thank you for your word and that it endures, Lord, and that it has meaning and, uh, and that you desire to change us through it, God. And we just pray that that's what would happen this morning, that we would be changed through your word, Lord. We pray that you would anoint Pastor Jackie with your spirit, Lord, that he would speak to each of our hearts. Um, that you would speak to our hearts through him, God, and that we would leave here changed and uh, made more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.
So we have an awesome opportunity this morning to take a look at all that that the superiority of Christ uh, is for us. When we look at Hebrews chapter 1 and we worked our way through, it took uh, several weeks to, to finish up looking at, at what the Lord had for us in Hebrews chapter 1. Um, we come to, all the way through chapter 1, you know that whole chapter, it's not one command in the whole thing. There's not one, thou shalt do this, do that. That entire chapter was all about lifting up, exalting, extolling the Son of God. Lifting up Jesus Christ on high. He told us, God lays out for us, that He, in these last days, and just so you know, the last days began with the coming of Jesus Christ. The idea is that in the Word of God, we had an Old Covenant or an Old Testament, right? And then we had, what's the other one called? New Testament. So God said, I spoke in times past through the prophets, but in these last days, through the Son. That's the end of His revelation. The end of God's revelation for you and I, is in Jesus Christ. There's nothing else to be said. Jesus embodies it all. And so, when we come to this section of Scripture that we have before us today, we want to know, we want to be able to hold on to the incredible, spectacular superiority of Jesus Christ. That was chapter 1. Just just think about it. I had Corey read it this morning so we wouldn't forget that Jesus is the heir of all things. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He created all things. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact representation of God's character. He made purification for sin. He has sat down at the right hand of majesty. He is worshipped by everything He made as God. He is God. And the first command we have working our way through the book of Hebrews is are you listening? That's kind of an important command to get to because really the rest of them won't matter if the first one we can't see, we can't hear, we can't recognize, we don't realize. Think of what the Word of God tells in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Listen to what Paul writes us. He says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, looking to, putting our eyes upon, opening our ears to. We can't see Him clearly. We don't yet see Him face to face, do we? The Scripture declares to us now that we look through a glass darkly, but one day it will be face to face, right? But now, even though we're looking in the mirror, beholding is in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What does that do for you and I? Look what the Word says. We are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just 
as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we do what? Listen. Gaze. Consider. All of those have that same idea wrapped up within them. So when we come to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, and he says, therefore, we understand what the therefore is, right? Therefore, this superiority of Christ in every possible realm, the superiority of Christ over all things, we must give the most, the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. We must give the most earnest heed. First command. Are you listening? Jesus has spoken. The word has been completed. It lays on our laps before us or in the back of the chairs in front of us. We have... The written word of God. So therefore, since Jesus Christ is greater than the prophets, greater than the angels, since He is God's finished revelation, since He is all that we can know of the unknowable God, then we should pay the more earnest heed. Another way of saying it is be vigilant and listen. Just just chew on it for a minute. That God has spoken. So many times we go throughout our life think, God, would you just speak to me? Just talk to me. Tell me what it is I'm supposed to do. And God's Word, God says, I have. I've spoken. Are you listening? You hear what my son has done and said. Are you considering Jesus Christ? Be vigilant and listen. Because you know, a lot of times we can hear the sounds, right? But we don't really pay them any mind. You know, that's exactly what he's talking about here. In fact, the terms used are the terms for bringing a ship into shore. If you want to kind of get a word picture in your mind, it's like a, a ship on a river, or, or can't be the sea, but a ship moving its way down the river, it doesn't do anything, it's going to miss port. And there at port you have maybe a, a lighthouse or, or a guy at the dock or somebody flashing or giving signals for how to bring the boat in. If you don't listen, you're going to go by. You're not going to enter in because of unbelief, which we'll pick up in another couple chapters. As he lays out this warning for us, we want to bring that ship into shore. How do we do it? We've got to listen. We have to consider Jesus Christ, what it is that He is to us. Because listen, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I don't really care. That signifies that you don't have a new nature. Because if you have a new nature, if your heart that was once hard has now been softened, that new nature longs, craves Jesus. Wants to see Him. Wants to know Him. 
wants to have a relationship with Him. If that's you this morning, you say, I I just don't care, then you need to pray. God, change my heart. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Help me see what, what all these people are talking about. Because it's vital. So you don't just drift away. Because we don't want anybody to drift away. We want all to see their Savior standing on the shore with arms outstretched all day long to a contrary and disobedient people. We want to have ears that are able to hear. Listen to what else Hebrews has to say about this subject. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren... So who's he talking to? Okay, we're okay with that? Therefore, holy brethren, in case that you had some doubt, partakers of the heavenly calling. That should settle it, right? So holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. The book of Hebrews is going to tell us that Jesus Christ is our high priest. But you know how long a high priest rules for? How long a high priest holds his office? A high priest holds his office until he dies. Jesus Christ gained the high priestly office as a result of His resurrection. When will He die again? Do we need another? One high priest. Jesus Christ. What does He tell us? Holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. What does He tell us to do? Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Oftentimes it's joked that all the problems of the world can be solved with, with the simple, proper application of, of Jesus Christ. We just don't know how it all fits together. Here's what the Word of God tells us to do. The Word of God tells us, keep our eyes, our hearts, our being focused on Jesus Christ. What He said, what He's done. And you'll have what you need. You'll have the answers you seek. You'll be prepared to respond. Look at what Hebrews says in chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Same kind of idea. Therefore, we also, using the pronoun we, he's talking again to believers, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's the next phrase? Looking unto Jesus. Getting our eyes on Jesus Christ. Getting our focus on Jesus as we, as we see. What is it that He's asking us to do? Run a race. Right? He wants us to run a race. Does He tell us the race is going to be easy? It's going to be short? No, He says you need to run it how? With endurance. And so if I need endurance and i got to run this race, that, that, that means there's, it's going to cost me something. There's, some, there's something on my part that I'm putting into the race. Where, where does He tell me to put my eyes? On the prize. Look, if, if the prize for you this morning is heaven, or if the prize for you this morning is someone who's in heaven already, or if the prize for you is some other aspect 
or idea of that, if the prize for you is anything other than Jesus Christ, you won't run with endurance. Because what you have placed your eyes on won't bring you home. Jesus said, I am what? The way, the, and the... Can anybody get to the Father any other way? No man comes to the Father except how? Through me. i got to run my race, man. I want to run my race. How do I do it? By considering Jesus. What was God's final word to mankind? Jesus Christ. Are we listening? Are we considering? Is He the focal point of our life? Because it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? I mean, when I was a kid, there were four channels on TV. I don't even remember what they were. And God knows you'd spend no time watching them because there was never nothing good on it. And a rare occasion, you know, King Kong or something was on. Me and my brothers would sit down and watch that, but never anything good. So what'd you do? You had to do something else. Go outside, do something else. What's it like today? Well, you get Netflix. You can watch TV 24-7. You can binge watch any show you want for the rest of your life. There's a lot of things that can distract us, right? What are you listening to? Because God's talking. What is it we're listening to? Oh, I'm not about to tell you thou shalt never watch TV again or never listen to the radio. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm just asking you, what are you listening to? What is swallowing up our time because there's a warning that if we neglect that if we don't listen that if we don't tune in then we'll drift isn't that what the verse said? that we should pay all the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away that's real We should listen. We should tune in. We should pay attention. Because there is a possibility of drifting away. You know what happens when the body of Christ is in a drift? When the body of Christ is drifting away? Let me tell you what happens. Culture goes to pot. Anybody pay any attention to culture lately? Does the church have any power? Well, it does if the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to do the work of God, but there's no response to a culture if we're drifting. If we're drifting, there's no response. We're floating down the river, helter-skelter, bumping into rocks. In fact, Paul would say some have shipwrecked their faith. Because we're drifting. Are we listening? God has spoken. He has given us a a more earnest word. Something we can hold to, cling to, set our hooks in. Something we can anchor to. Something we can anchor to. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 through 20 begins to to share with us that idea of setting our anchor. Setting our anchor. We don't want to drift. How do we keep from drifting? We pay attention. We clue in. We consider Jesus. We look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We lay hold of all that He has for us. We set our anchor. 
That's my anchor. That's, if that's not my anchor, guys, I drift away. I'm, I'm toast. It's over. If you don't set your anchor in Jesus Christ, it's over for you too. One of the key ways that we can find ourselves not setting that anchor is finding ourselves in a place of bitterness. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Verse 17, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability or the unchanging nature of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, one, that it is impossible for God to lie, so that we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is before us. Have you fled from refuge or are you still hoping there's refuge somewhere else? He says that those who have fled from refuge who lay hold of the hope set before us, this hope we have as an anchor to our soul. Look man, being mad at God, it, it never gets us where we want to be. It never gets us what we want. Let me tell you the devil. We're, we're, we'll, we're probably not going to get there. In, in verse 4, it says that God confirmed this word by the working of miracles, right? Signs and wonders. Well, we know that the devil does lying signs and wonders too, right? How do we know them one from the other? I'll give you one clue. You ready? The devil's work, the devil's lying signs, the devil's wonders only make a situation worse. What do I mean? Well, let's see. God turned the Nile to blood. What did the sorcerers do? Turned what water they had left to blood. Make it better or worse? If they had power over God, what could they have done? Turned the blood back to water. They couldn't do that, could they? What did it do? Just made it worse. And you look at the story of Pharaoh and the Exodus, and you watch all the way to the point where the sorcerers say, look, this is the finger of God, we can't do that anymore. But every time they did like, what did they do? They made the situation worse. More fleas, more frogs. Who wants that? That's what the devil does. The devil whisper in your ear, this is dumb, this is bogus, this is stupid. God's let you down for the last time. He's going to tell you to put your life in the middle, and he's going to say, worship yourself. And your situation will get worse. And you start to drift. You know, at 16 years old, I was such a voice uh, against abortion in my school that I drove my English teacher crazy. My dad was a pastor. I've been in church my whole life. I don't, I don't really know nothing else. My dad's a pastor. I'm, I'm, I, I know this is wrong. This is sin. Every time she gives us a creative writing report, I write on abortion. And, and she was pro, and I was pro-life. She was pro-abortion. And so we, we'd spin this thing back and forth. She finally surrendered. Threw up the white flag. Forget it. I give up. It didn't change her heart. She just didn't want to argue no more. 17 years old, I'm in a band called Encouragement. We're traveling uh, around in little churches all around the nation. Playing music, singing songs, sharing testimony. The reason they call the band Encouragement is we just wanted to come into little churches. Maybe they're struggling a little bit. And we do a big outreach for them. Do a 
do a concert, outreach into the community, and, and try to give them a little, a little spurt, right? You know, encouragement. Man, God spoke to me. I wrote songs. God was doing incredible things in my life. About that time, I meet my, my wife somewhere around there, in there before, during, after. I meet her. She's 15. I'm 17. And so I start talking to her about the Lord and telling her how important the Lord is in my life. And one night I'm not there. She goes to a Campus Life uh, um, event that they had and she gives her life to the Lord. God just moving and working. Then, then one day my dad comes in the office and he says, You know what? Your mom and me are getting a divorce. And I'm leaving. I, I met somebody else. Jackie, I, I, I love her. So, I'm, I'm going to go. And I never really got mad at my dad. Well, I never got mad to him while we were talking. I was plenty mad lots of other times. My dad left. And I remember thinking, well, it'll be okay. But then somehow, all the responsibility for my mom, who was 100% disabled and had a lot of issues, health issues in her life, all that came on me and my brothers. And all that I had that was focused on God started to get focused on me. Like this, it's not fair. It's not fair. Where's he get off? He's off living the life, man. And we're all taking care of mom. I didn't sign on for that. He did. The bitterness starts to set in. Pretty soon your eyes aren't on the Lord. You're not considering Jesus at all. And the drift begins. How far are you going to drift? I drifted for 13 years. If you told me God was on the left, I'd go right. When I went in the Marine Corps, they asked me what religion I was. I said, I have no religion. There is no God. Still got the dog tags. Bottom of my dog tags say, no pref. That means we'll... We'll bury in whatever chaplain's closest. He'll come say some words over you, and that's what we'll do. That the same kid who was in the band, the same kid who was writing music, the same kid who led his future wife to the Lord, that the same person? What happened? I don't listen no more. I'm mad at God. All I can see is my own pain, my own hurt, my me, 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 me. And as long as my eyes are on me, let me tell you, I can't save myself. Can I? And how's my situation doing? Is it getting better? Not so far. For 13 years, I put one bad decision after another. I, when I coach my kids, I tell them, don't let one mistake become two. I think I strung together 13 years of mistakes. Not a good one in the, well, one good one in the middle somewhere. Somewhere in the middle, I married Kathy to torture her for the next several years. Ah, in the Marine Corps, 
sowing my wild oats, sleeping with anybody who wants to sleep with me, and the Marine Corps little weird like that. It was kind of crazy time. Getting married, you're supposed to stop that stuff when you get married. I wasn't going to. Because now I'm the God. I'm following my rules. What makes me happy? I make my situation better? I'm not considering Jesus and I'm drifting further pretty soon, dude. That thing's going to crash. And there's nothing. It's over. Drifting down that river, serving the God of self. And I... I hurt my wife so bad so many times. You can't even begin to imagine the miracle that she's with me. And I promise none of you would have made it. God, he called her to that unfortunate road. She was six months pregnant. She left. Got on a plane. She'll tell me how close I was. After the sermon, if it was really six months or four months or whatever. But you guys get the idea. She left, got on a plane, went home. I've been unfaithful more times than I can count. In the midst of all of that, the young man who had all these strong morals, had all these strong ideals because his eyes were focused on Christ and he's listening to what Jesus said. It was so outspoken. For abortion, drove two young ladies to Planned Parenthood and let them kill my baby. Make my situation better or worse. Being bitter at God. Man, can it go much further? Yeah, it's gonna. The drift is still on. I'm not listening. I'm not paying heed. I'm not looking at Jesus. He's not central in my life. I'm serving the God of me. I get a little lonely and I call Kathy and I say, Baby, just let me try again. And she writes me out a list of rules. 5,000 rules on what I got to do if she's going to come home. All the rules. Got to go to church. Got to All these got to. She laid them all out for me. I, I had to sign it in blood, I'm pretty sure, when she came back. Should never come back. I don't think I kept one of those promises. Getting ready to go to the Persian Gulf. JC, my oldest, is about to be born. And I got called called into the colonel's office, and the colonel said, Son, we got some bad news for you. You want a chaplain present? And I said, I don't need no stupid chaplain. He said, Okay. Well, we know that it doesn't happen only to homosexuals or, or IV drug abusers. That's a strange way to start a sentence, right? But you have popped positive for HIV. And really up to that point, I was, I was, I was okay with dying being stupid. But HIV did something else killed everybody else too everybody 
So I remember leaving the office a little bit numb, going home thinking, wow, this is one of those good news, bad news moments. They pulled me off a float. I'm not going to be gone when JC's born, but the bad news is he might have HIV. She might have HIV. We may all be dying. We just don't know it yet. Serving the God of self make it better or worse? Look, guys, the stories change, but the result don't change. You may not have been far down the river. Maybe you were further down the river than me. The results don't change. The, 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 the issue is, if you're I, if Jesus Christ is not God, Savior, King, I bow my knees, my everything, then you're going to drift. Whatever you think you can't do, whatever you're sitting there going, I could never do that, hogwash. I've been pastoring forever. So long I can't even count the years anymore. I heard lots of stories like mine. Sat down on a couch, looked right in Kathy's eyes and said, you want the good news or the bad news? She always answers the same way when I ask her that. I want the good news. She's happy. You ever notice that about her? Well, most of the time. She's pretty happy. She said, I want the good news. I said, I'm not going on the float. I'll be here when the baby's born. Oh, she's jumping up and down. That's such good news. What's the bad news? I have HIV. And then God used her next words to penetrate the stupid in my life. I don't even know how I got here. I don't even understand how... How all this happened. But all I've really got is a bunch of brokenness. If you want it, cheers. You know what he says, right? That's what I do. Take brokenness. Went to a little church in Midway Park. Kathy can probably remember the name. I don't remember the name. I went in there, and the guy's teaching out of Hebrews. Coincidence, you think? I don't think so. And God used the book of Hebrews to open my eyes. Yeah. You guys know people are disappointing? You know, your fathers can be disappointing. Your mothers can be disappointing. Husbands. Wives, children, you pick it, you name the relationship. You are broke, just like me. And if Jesus Christ is not what you're listening to, the drift is going to kill you and everything around you. If Jesus Christ isn't what's central, the drift is going to wipe you out. And you'll find yourself doing things you said, I'd never do that. I'll never do that. I could do a lot of things, but I'd never do that. It's a lie, man. That's the devil. The enemy whispering in your ear, oh yeah, you're a much better person. 
All mankind has the same problem. You know what it is? Sin. And there's only one answer. Jesus. So for a year, Kathy have patience with me. And I, little by little, see my life start to transform as I began to get my eyes back where they were supposed to be. Get my ears tuned to what they were supposed to be tuned to. And little by little, my life began to fall back into place. Look, I don't care what promises anybody says. I don't care what promises you make. How much willpower you got does not matter. If Jesus isn't the middle, nothing works. So little by little, I made Jesus the middle. Little by little, God started to put our marriage back together. It took five years before we stopped fighting about all the stuff I'd done. It's a long time. But God was faithful. After about a year, Kathy said she had a bad dream. She has, she's caught me a couple times. God speaks to her in dreams. So, so um, there's been a few times she's, she, she knew I had done wrong because she had a dream about it. She had a dream, and in her dream, she was at the cemetery, and there's a little bitty stone for the baby, and there's a big stone for me, and she was coughing, weeping, in the cemetery for her dead family. She woke up and she said, Man, God, you said I won't give you more than you can bear. Well, that's not really accurate. You'll frequently give me more than I can bear if I'll come to you and you give me the strength to bear it. So she asked God for strength, walked out to the mailbox, and there's a letter. I saw the Marine Corps does stuff. Still got it. On whatever date. I don't remember the date. Lance Corporal Roberts tested positive for HIV. One year later, you're negative. We don't know why. I don't really know why either. I don't deserve it, but I guess that's why they call it grace, right? So, I'm old now. I was a kid when all that was going on. I'm 52. I got one foot in a grave. <laughs> sorry. That's me feeling sorry for myself again. But God, God did amazing things in that time to teach me what happens if I don't keep my eyes on Him. So when it's all said and done, I'm in the ministry. Let's go forward a few years. Kathy's happy. We have three kids. Everybody's healthy. Everything's going good. She comes to me one night and she says, Jackie, you know, I'm so glad that you're not that guy anymore. And I said, man... I'm every bit that guy. I am, I'm not less broken. I'm not less screwed up. The only thing that keeps me 
is Jesus Christ. God's final word. That I stay tuned in to what He's saying. That I stay tuned in to what He's done. That I hold fast. I set my anchor in my hope in Christ Jesus. That keeps me from drifting. And if you don't do it, you may have a story like mine. And it may or may not end as well. And it may or may not cause as much pain. But it all starts with the same question. Jesus is talking. Are you listening? Jesus has spoken. Are you holding fast to that word? Because He's telling us in Hebrews, if you don't pay more earnest attention to the things that Jesus has said and done, to the truth of His Word, you will drift. And the key, the key to lock it in is to have that moment on the couch for yourself. That moment on the couch with my wife in the middle of Midway Park in a pit was the most real I have ever been to God. The most broken I have ever been before God. And the most set free I have ever felt. Because on that cross, or on that couch, He was on the cross. On that couch... I gave him the real me. You guys know what that looks like? Or have you spent so much time dolling up the real you that you don't know who you are anymore? I gave him the real me. Hey, I am the biggest screw up on the planet. I've ruined so many lives, I can't even keep track of them all. I've done every wrong thing I can imagine ever doing in my life. That's who I am. That's the strength of my relationship to Jesus Christ today. Because I didn't come to Him as a relatively good person just needing a little bit more to get me over the edge. I came to Him shattered. And He did what He promised. I will give them beauty for ashes. He put it all together. And He wants to put it all together for you and I. He wants us to really grapple with that. Because really as I prepared, I got about 40 more pages of notes. Don't worry, we're not going to do them. We'll maybe do verse 2 next week. But as we... As we look at it, look, really what God was laying on my heart that just resounds. I, I feel like, you guys know when, when, when uh, Spurgeon got saved? I can't remember the verse. Somebody probably knows. There was a lay preacher. He came in to preach. The preacher didn't make it that day in the Methodist church. And it was raining outside like it is now. And so Charles Spurgeon came in and the guy 
there was just this resounding message that he had. He just kept saying the same line. I don't remember what it was, but for me it's this. Jesus is talking. Are you listening? And if you're not really, the rest of what he has to say in Hebrews can wait. Because you need to get that right. You need to make that right. There's no tomorrow. As long as you follow the, the deeds of your flesh, things are only going to get worse. Not better. I used to say it, it was like trying to carry around an armful of ashes everywhere I went. That was my life. And the best place I ever took those ashes was the feet of my Savior. And I laid them out before Him and I said, This is it. It's all yours. You know He's the only one who can put it all back together again. He's the only one. He put my marriage together. That's, that's the same as the dead being raised to life. You know that. He gave my life back to me. Didn't have to do that. I certainly didn't earn it. There's a lot of prayers I prayed that God would do a miracle in somebody else's life and he, and he has chosen in His infinite wisdom to say no. And I've learned to be okay with what God does. Everything I've ever seen on the pages of Scripture, I've watched God do that in my life. And I am telling you, these days we're in, now, the time that we're entering into, the chaos of our world, you have not seen nothing yet. You've got to be right with God. Not tomorrow. Today. You need to have your moment on the couch. Look, maybe that's not here. I'm not so good at orchestrating something. There's probably better people. Lights will go down. Somebody play something soft and everybody would come up and rededicate their life. I don't want your trust in lights. I don't want your trust in a soft song. If you're going to go to God, you go to Him broken. It won't matter where you're at or what's going on when it happens. You'll just do it. And my job is to tell you you need it. I have never regretted that moment. Not once. It hasn't always been easy, but I have never regretted it. You won't regret it either. Amen? Amen. Just stand with me. Let's pray.